0: trust the system, and the result is you move past that awkwardness and you're better equipped in every way.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Pudua So, Andrew, I went to my refrigerator and pulled a couple of things that I've had magneted on my refrigerator to show you today.
0: Magnets on your refrigerator? Well, I
1: have magnets, but they hold up really precious pieces of paper. Oh. Yes. So my granddaughter did some coloring. Look, isn't that cute? She's four years old. And here's what's so remarkable about this. She stays in the lines. And my boys could never do this, just saying. They do a lot of drawing, you know, action, just kind of like you talk about with your teaching boys Mm talk. But look at the bright colors that she uses. And she just could not get enough. She kept coloring and coloring. And here, dinga. She calls me dinga. Isn't that sweet? So we're going to Disneyland this October. But, you know, what? these are just really precious to me, and they are on my refrigerator.
0: Okay, it reminds me of a joke. Okay. What mouse walks on two legs? Mickey Mouse? Yeah. What duck walks on two legs?
1: All ducks. Oh, uh, you got me. All right. Donald duck does. <laughs> well,
0: if you can tolerate Disneyland, then you can probably tolerate all sorts of uncomfortable, unpleasant, <laughs> nauseating... <laughs> Patient stretching experiences.
1: Oh, this is true. You know, like working for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Disneyland and patience definitely go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You know, we uh, launched an episode recently where I interviewed my son, who he is the one that admitted he has ADHD, and he grew up three miles from Disneyland. And we spend a lot of time practicing patience, waiting at those lines. I heard that
0: really we live in a classist society now. Uh There's three classes. People who've never been to Disneyland. People who've been to Disneyland once. And people who go every year. Yay!
1: I love it. (laughs) But, of course, the, the, the whole topic today is about process versus product. And I think sometimes... We at the Institute for Excellence in Writing, we are taking our students through these exercises to help them improve their writing. And sometimes things are, well, a little bit awkward. And when I look at these drawings, this is a four year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are not going to sell for anything. Someday, look, they... <laughs> if
0: non-fungible tokens, sell for millions of dollars, <laughs> if art that doesn't exist mm. sells, you never know. Put right. those things on eBay and mm-hmm. give it a shot, and mm. maybe you pick up an extra 400 bucks.
1: Uh, well, but they're more precious to me than $400, oh. so I'm just going to go ahead and keep them okay. because they're from my granddaughter. But let's, let's talk about some of this criticism that we might get from my, from people who don't really know this idea of process versus product.
0: Sure. Well, the biggest thing is, it's awkward. Mm-hmm. I mean, that we hear that a mm-hmm. lot. People come up to me at a convention or something, and they'll say, "Well, we've been using your writing program for a year, and I'm a little worried about my daughter's writing. It's, it's kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's really awkward, <laughs> right? <laughs> As if somehow the writing program were responsible for the awkwardness. Mm-hmm. Which is fair enough because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you're doing. And uh, so it doesn't take too long to point out a few things to everyone. First of all, how old is this child? And we go through awkwardnesses both chronologically because of age mm-hmm. and then developmentally because of a new skill. Mm-hmm. And this is one reason I think that there's advantages to all teachers, all parents, undertaking some kind of new learning activity in adulthood. I remember working for uh, doing a little bit of uh, in-service for a school Mm -hmm. once. I I don't remember exactly which school or where it was, (laughs) but they had a policy that every year all of the faculty needed to take one class Hmm. somewhere about something – that they didn't know anything about, oh, that I they'd never that. done before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in a case like me, maybe it would be quilting or something <laughs> horrifying. Well, <clears throat> if I were to do that, I would have a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we tend to get better and better at the things we're good at over time. But unless we're reminded of what it's like to do something that we're not already kind of good at, we forget what it's like to be young and not necessarily be good at anything.
1: Right, right, exactly.
0: So there's those two things. There's the awkwardness of just growing up and being 11 or 12 years old Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that that move between – Oh, it's cute. I mean, anything a four-year-old does is cute, right. especially if it's your grandchild. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and those same things get less cute mm-hmm. as kids get older because our expectation will change. And sometimes we get into this desperate mode and think, oh, no, this child is, you know, a teenager now, 13. Right. Okay, right. <laughs> you know, well, technically. <laughs> yes. And so we're worried about this Persistence of awkwardness. Mm -hmm. When, if we look more objectively, we would say, well, a 13 year old is a lot closer to being 10 Mm -hmm. than being 18. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, where does that fit in the whole process? And then, you know, our writing system is a system, and there are techniques and models to follow and processes that are not necessarily. Familiar to everyone, mm-hmm. so there's the potential for awkwardness, and and we could use any analogy we want, whether it's me taking a quilting class to learn something I've never thought about ever wanting to even think about doing, <laughs> uh, which by the way is not likely to happen, but uh, or whether it's something you know like a sports or music, where there's I just
1: n- thought of who you can take a quilting class from, Andrew. Erica Arndt. She's one of our affiliates. Uh She is this amazing homeschool blogger and podcaster, but she also has a separate channel on quilting. I should get you a course.
0: Well, the reason it came into my mind (laughs) is because I have a daughter who really doesn't like to focus on bad news.
1: Oh, right. Okay.
0: Which, you know, is a problem because that's really all I ever read is bad news.
1: I'm sure she and I are kindred spirits in that regard. And so
0: she found some website that only gives you good news. Hmm. Like every day you get a a notification of some really good thing happening Mm -hmm. in the world. And then you pretend that, you know, all of the bad (laughs) things that are happening aren't, aren't significant enough to pay attention to. But anyway, the one she sent me, I thought, was was interesting. It was prisoners, right? Mm -hmm. Inmates, Mm -hmm. um, male inmates, Mm -hmm. who had learned quilting and were now quilting quilts, uh, like custom beautiful quilts for handicapped children or disabled children. Right, right. And, you know, that's just an all over really beautiful idea. Right. And so that's what got me on this (laughs) idea of quilting. But this uh, experience, experience of doing something new, mm-hmm. whether it's doing something you're kind of familiar with in a new way or whether it's doing something completely new, uh, writing falls into that category Definitely. for most children, most students. And of course, we get any number. I mean, Every day I get an email from some adult somewhere, Mm -hmm. usually a second language learner or someone in a foreign country who says, I really want to improve my English writing. Can you help me? And so we know that for a lot of people, that whole experience of putting English words into sentences that make sense and are moderately interesting or stylish and then putting sentences into a logical sequence using... The language functions that for many people are just so ingrained we don't right. think about them. Right. So part of it is being able to step back and look at the thing and say, oh, this is not automatic for me. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the way I do this automatically or, or without thinking as much isn't as good as the way I might be able to do it if I stop back and look at it a little more objectively bring in some perspective. I had a a woman came to my seminar many, many years ago. If I recall it was Spokane Washington mm-hmm. and she was a professional, like nominated for a Pulitzer wow. journalist. Wow. Who had then gone into a second career of teaching high school English.
1: Oh, right. Of course. Wow. <laughs> right? So
0: here's a person whose experience level is way beyond mine. Right. Right. In terms of both education and professional
1: accomplishments. accomplishment.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm always a little nervous when I find out there's someone like that in the audience.
1: <laughs> right. Uh,
0: especially, you know, then this is probably 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But what she said to me at one of the breaks was this is really interesting for me because using these checklists and models and having to do these practicum sessions has made me realize that I can get in a rut like anyone oh, and right. just do things the way I always do them. Mm-hmm. This is forcing me to look at different ways to do mm-hmm. what I've been doing for decades. Right, right. And so that's part of that process is having that objectivity mm-hmm. and much like coloring inside the lines. Yes. Right. Yeah, right. Having that checklist and saying, okay, I'm going to somehow make this paragraph contain, you know, all four or eight or 12 of these things on this checklist is a complex coloring inside the lines experience mm-hmm. in many ways. Mm-hmm. And yet, by doing that again and again and again, and it becomes easier and easier and easier then we prepare ourselves for fewer lines to color in mm-hmm. and as as i you know say in the twss and you've heard me say a thousand times the goal of the checklist isn't to do it forever right the goal of the checklist is to master it mm-hmm. graduate from it mm-hmm. and then use or not use this expanded repertoire yep. of techniques ways you have to use words. Yep. And, you know, I think we've we've had enough, you know, in, in the many dozens, if not hundreds of emails of people who kind of wrote. In fact, I just got one yesterday. I was skeptical about IEW mm-hmm. because I was afraid that it would be too formulaic. Right. But now, after five, seven years, my kids went through high school, they're in college or they're out of college,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're doing really well. Yep. I understand. And so that's part of what, you know, we do mm-hmm. is help people have the the faith, if you will, mm-hmm. the, the confidence, trust the system. Right. And the result is you move past that right. awkwardness and you're better equipped in every way.
1: And depending on the child, it may take just a few months for them to be able to use that who which clause correctly, or it may take several years. But again, trusting the system and knowing that eventually, because they're practicing it, because once it's added to the checklist, it does not come off and more is added, but you still, it's that mastery approach. They're going to get that who, which clause eventually. I am working, of course, with you on a secret project and I'm writing source text. And one of the things that I have to be careful of is not to use overtly stylistic techniques because we want the students to use the source text and introduce their own. So, okay, cut out that who which clause. Okay, that ING opener sounds really good, Andrew, well, but I unless take it's it out. appropriate,
0: it's okay to put that in. I mean, it's it's always a balance between yeah. having a source text that is well written mm-hmm. and becomes a source of, linguistic usage ideas, almost, right. you know, semi-subconsciously, right. and then also having a source text that allows for improvement or expansion or variation. Right. So, yep. you know, it's always a balance. But uh, I do have uh, a lot of happiness when I get firsthand communications right. from kids who grew up and, and you you know you could say that started when they were eight or you could say it started when they were 15 it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter but they had this experience of using our checklists which then later on was the a, a great tool for them right in a completely different type of writing requirements
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes very very technical I mean we've we've had kids who are at a military academy like West Point Mm -hmm. who did our structure and style growing up and now they're writing whatever they're writing. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm not sure what people (laughs) write about at West Point, but did very, very well. And their teachers there are commending them Mm -hmm. on excellent use of language. And, of course, you know, we can't discount the importance of building the language database through being read to a lot, reading a wide variety of literature, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then memorizing poetry and excerpts of speeches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because those two things just go so hand in hand. You, you can't, as we have on our little cups, you know, get something out of a brain that isn't in there to begin with.
1: Only our cups say you can't get something out of a cup that isn't in there to begin with. Oh, okay. Right, like coffee, generally. <laughs> generally. <laughs> but yes, you, I, I, I love this, and of course... Listeners, if you haven't already, please do listen to Andrew's talk, "Nurturing Competent Communicators." We'll put a link in the show notes. That's something that we make available to everyone and anyone all over the world, and it's absolutely free to well. And it's
0: to me, it's the most important stuff that that I've ever thought. Mm -hmm. But but the two are essential, and we could go back to music. Mm -hmm. Dr. Suzuki had the idea. That if children listen to a lot of music, like for many hours a day, it will be easier for them to learn to play the music that they've listened to.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: Well, of course. Mm -hmm. But you can't just listen to music all day and expect to be able to play it. There's a process. There's Mm -hmm. a system. There's a pathway that has to be walked. And so it's the two sides of the one Gold coin. Mm-hmm. You can't really get good writers without the great language database, but just doing that won't necessarily right. cause them to be confident and competent in writing skills.
1: Well, and I just want to qualify something, ask you to qualify, clarify something for our listeners, because there, we often hear that myth of good readers make good writers. You've got a slightly different take on that.
0: Well, yeah, and in the talk, you know, we unpack this fully, but a lot of kids who read early, read well, and read a lot, they read so fast that they don't necessarily hear internally. They're not kind of audiating, if Mm -hmm. that's a valid word. Mm -hmm. They're not hearing what they're reading. They could be skipping words, skipping chunks of words, not pronouncing words mentally. Mm -hmm. So they're not necessarily building the language database the same way we do when it comes in auditorily. And that's why I've often said, you know, the number one predictor of good writing skills in adult is having been read to out loud in huge quantity growing up. But one more idea of Suzuki that I think applies here is this concept that just because you can do something it doesn't mean that you can't still improve. Mm-hmm. So you look at a four-year-old's coloring, mm-hmm. and it's remarkably well done inside the lines with a variety <laughs> of colors, but it doesn't mean that that child wouldn't improve coloring skills right. as she gets older right. and as someone models how to do coloring better, right? because there's all sorts of things you can get into with colored pencils where you can make different shades or mm-hmm. depths of the same hue, but it creates greater texture and therefore greater artistry. So, you know, we see this in music, for example. Remember um, one of the greatest teachers that I met, I, um, I was so impressed with this teacher I traveled to where she lived and taught, and I stayed there a few days just so I could sit in her studio for three days and just watch her teach. Violent. Violent. Mm-hmm. Because she was, in my opinion, the the best that I had ever seen wow. you know, in, a, in the States here. Uh-huh. And she started really at a very young age and continued to make this point that, yes, you may be a book one student and that's great and you'll play a book one piece like a book one student. But if you're a book seven student, you still play book one pieces, but you play a book one piece at a book seven level. Yes. This idea that, you know, a student who can play very advanced repertoire can also still take a very simple piece like lightly Row. Mm -hmm. And play it in a very, very subtly advanced way, Mm -hmm. far beyond what a book one student would do learning and playing lightly row. So, you know, we see that with the writing process as well. Yeah, okay, I can do the checklist. But you won't do the checklist and make it sound as good, Mm -hmm. make it read as well as you will once you've been continuing to practice this for three years and also learning new techniques along the line. Right. So, you know, your who-which mm-hmm. technique. Yeah, it can be awkward for some kids, mm-hmm. especially if they haven't heard it used in a literary sense enough to build a repertoire of usage ideas. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean they can't get there right. gradually over time. So a third-year IEW student may have... A checklist that contains everything that the first year IEW student had, only they make it sound better. Why? Well, third year, practice, mm-hmm. age, grown up, confidence, mm-hmm. naturalness.
1: Yep, yep. So to, to summarize this idea of process versus product, on one hand, parents and teachers shouldn't be disappointed that they're students who are just starting on this pathway regardless of what age they are that their initial foray into this writing assignment isn't going to be perfect. It's not going to be, like you said, a book seven type of student work. But eventually, going through the process, they will be able to produce a product that a college professor at West Point will be impressed with.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we could, we could can almost guarantee that mm-hmm. given now the track record of, yep. you know, 20-some years. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I I appreciate people's desire to see immediate results. Yep. I, I mean, we're all like that, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Instant improvement.
0: And, and we want, you know, in our business life, in our personal life, we want that. Mm-hmm. But that's just not the way life is. Instant improvement is a lovely thought. <laughs> but gradual improvement mm-hmm. is much more realistic. Yeah. And whether that's me in the gym or someone learning to quilt for the first time or someone who's been doing something for a long time, Mm -hmm. Pablo Casals. I don't know if you know who Pablo Casals is or if our listeners do, but he is probably considered by most the greatest cellist of all time. Mm -hmm. And... He lived to a very nice old age, and he was still practicing the piano. So although he was a world-renowned, played at the United Nations, uh, taught the greatest cellists that lived mm-hmm. after his time, he's one of the greatest musicians that anyone has ever named. Wow. I mean, I, I would say so. I, w-
1: I should know this name.
0: Um, but anyway, so he, he still practiced the piano every day mm-hmm. when he was 90 years old and <clears throat> someone asks him why do you still practice the piano every day and he said well i think i'm getting better <laughs> it, you know what what there's no objective in the end mm-hmm. except the pure joy of getting better even after a whole lifetime of yeah. having reached a a pinnacle of musicianship.
1: Right, right.
0: He also said he said if I if I don't practice for one day, I know it.
1: Mm.
0: If I don't practice for a few days, my wife knows it. Oh. <laughs> if I don't practice for a week, my audience knows oh. it. So there is that, you know, you can gain a skill, but you have to keep you have to maintain that yep. as well. Yep. Otherwise, yes, little by little you start to see the holes.
1: And we actually have that in our experience where students have left the structure and style approach and maybe gone to another writing method and then came back and had forgotten so much, but it came back again. It's not like riding a bike because they kind of had to relearn things, but it did come more natural to them and they were just so grateful to now have that more solidified before they went off into the real world whatever that
0: would be yeah whatever that's going to be for mm-hmm. them so i think we can we can always think about the analogies of music or sports or learning a new thing and then understanding that kids are always in that in that period of it could be awkward because everything about growing up is awkward yeah and it will continue to get better and better and that's one reason you should keep those drawings is because 10 years from now mm-hmm. Lucy will be drawing other things yes probably beyond coloring of Mickey Mouses and you will be able to look back and she
1: even wrote her name on this one. <laughs> Oh, that's that's very nice
0: and you you look back and then you say Wasn't it a delight to see the growth over the decade? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, thank you, Andrew. I think our listeners, once again, are encouraged by your balanced approach and just to relax, enjoy the process, and just trust the system because at the end of the day or the end of the schooling experience, the product will be much better when you do.
0: Trust the system.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing, would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.